Mario Cristobal continues to be a menace on the recruiting trail. Quarterbacks are getting seven-figure deals, and we're talking Texas flips today. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I am your host, Josh Newberg. We're going to kick this thing off with Gary Furman of Kane Sport. Gary, you are an absolute legend. Thank you for making your debut on the show. What's up? Oh, anytime, Josh. I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a good thing at Miami that they're not totally in the market for a quarterback because that's eating up a lot of budget. Yeah, yeah. you guys have already had your quarterback drama. We're through that. But on Tuesday night, seemingly out of nowhere, the Canes go out and flip Michigan's top-rated commitment, four-star edge, Collins Achapong. He's a six-foot-seven, 255-pound pass rusher who had been committed to Michigan since July. Miami catches Michigan sleeping, flips Achapong as soon as the season comes to an end. And Gary, my question to you, Mario's on a mission. But is he done yet? Oh, not even close. <laughs> not even close, Josh. Uh, you know, Miami obviously ha is going to have a lot of slots. They're, they're going through a roster purge, kind of like what we saw Florida State do a couple years ago um, when Mike Norvell came in there and just had to clean up the program, uh, get rid of the, the locker room cancers, get rid of the guys that were dragging the program down and replace them in the transfer portal through recruiting. And I think we saw the results that we were able to do at Florida State this year when Florida State surprised a lot of people and showed up as a pretty competitive football team uh, that, that could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with LSU, uh, could you know win um, a greater majority of their games, uh, compete against teams like Clemson. So uh, I think Miami is on the same type of plan here. Uh, maybe just trying to accelerate it a little bit. I mean, I think they would prefer that it not take three years. Um, so what they're doing is uh, they're having exit meetings with all their current players. They're sending the ones to the transfer portal that uh, fit the category that's described. And they are going to replace them with traditional recruits to the max that they can get difference makers. And then they are going to go headfirst into the transfer portal and fill the rest of their roster. And they're hoping... Um, I think you're going to see 40, maybe even more, Josh, new players on Miami's roster by the start of next season. And they're hoping that that will allow them to start being more competitive as soon as 2023. Yeah, this is a very aggressive approach for Mario Cristobal and this Miami staff. Very. You've been around Miami recruiting for a long time. Have you ever seen it like this? I mean, where there's not a name I'm on the close. board that you can really dismiss that Miami is going to go after. There is no doubt about it, and no, not even close to anything like this. Uh, the different now, Josh. I mean, you know, you've, you've got the capability uh, to sign up to the 85 limit without any without a 25 uh, limit being placed on your annual class. Mm -hmm. You've got the transfer portal. Uh, pretty much, almost every player in college football has the potential to be a free agent, and they know it. So, if if they don't like where they're living, if they want to go place somewhere else if they're from South Florida and they had picked another school at, at some point and want to come back home and play in front of their families uh, there are a whole lot of things that are working in Miami's favor in this current environment not to mention maybe the best NIL situation down here in the country to where kids know that if they go to Miami they will be treated fairly they will be able to uh, negotiate NIL deals uh, there's private business that's been involved in NIL in this market. 
Um, the South Florida market has shown through the various uh, vehicles that are participating in NIL that this can be a land of opportunity for players. And I think you're going to see a lot of them want to capitalize on that in a dynamic international city that's some nice trappings of life as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of opportunities, Miami has an opportunity to pull in another five-star offensive tackle, Samson Okunlola, out of Massachusetts. Now, Chad Simmons and I talk about Samson a lot on this show, and it seemed like from really the start of the season on, Miami had a huge lead. All of a sudden, we see Samson take a visit to Florida. Now it's not so sure that this is a slam dunk for Miami. There's other teams involved, too. Samson's going to make a decision between now and the early signing period. Who do you think Miami's biggest competition is right now? I mean, it seems like it's Florida, but uh, honestly, I'm kind of baffled by this one a little bit. I mean, I would have said probably four or five months ago that, that it was a slam dunk just like you, and it just lingered and lingered and lingered. Uh, but I still think Miami with Samson, I, I feel pretty good about them winning that one in the end. Uh, why it's taking so long, you know, he's one of the top few players in the country. And, you know, he's, he's probably playing it smart. You know, you know, wait, just wait. I mean, what's he in a rush for? It's not like, it's not like they're going to not want him <laughs> anytime before December 21st. So he's just taking his time, pulling the trigger, and probably smart. And, you know, I think that in the end, Miami's in a good place there. I am expecting Samson Okunola to land at Miami. Whew, that would be a huge pickup and another win against the Gators. We've seen the Canes and Gators go back and forth like heavyweight fighters between Jaden Rashada, Cormani McClain, Samson Okunola, and another guy I want to talk about right now, Mark Fletcher. So Mark Fletcher decommits from Ohio State about three weeks ago now. Um, makes a visit to Florida, has shown up on Miami's campus, and it looks like another one head-to-head. -head. So what's your take on Mark Fletcher and how this one's going to play out? Yeah, there's uh, no love lost between Miami and Florida right now. You have two programs in the Sunshine State that are trying to get back on the map. Um, I think Miami is going to be tough to beat there in the end as well. I, I think Mark Fletcher is a big priority for the Hurricanes. He's a hometown guy. And American Heritage is, is a school that Miami very badly wants to reestablish a footprint. They've been losing a lot of players from American Heritage through the years. So it's a big priority for Mario Cristobal coming in in, in year one. And uh, they will battle it out for the three guys at American Heritage without question right up to signing day. And uh, I don't know that they're in it to, to, to lose it, Josh. I mean, I'm telling you, they... They are coming hard here these last few weeks, and, and uh, I would not bet against them. I mean, I can't guarantee that Mark Fletcher is going to end up at Miami, but if I had to go to the window in Vegas right now, I would, I would be all in on the money line. <laughs> You're buying right now. Um, would you say that offensive tackle and running back are Miami's biggest remaining needs between now and the early signing period as well? So these are, these are pretty important prospects. Because every, every, no, I wouldn't say that only for one reason, Josh. Everything is a remaining need. I forgot Miami. about Did the you purge. watch the, the, some of the games this year? I mean, everything is a need. The roster that Mario Cristobal inherited was um, very devoid of impact talent, and they are shopping at every position. They are they are looking for impact players. Uh, they have the spots, at least, like I said, 40 spots that they can fill. 
there's no problems fitting players in that want to be Miami Hurricanes. And they are looking for elite dudes across the board without question. Now, yes, they do need offensive linemen. And yes, they do need a number one running back. Uh, Trevante Citizen is on the roster. He's coming back from a very serious right. injury. You don't know what he's going to look like in, in August. You hope he's recovered. But you, you, you need more than that anyway. Jalen Knighton fumbled a lot this year. Uh, I think he'll be asked back, but you know there's issues there. I mean, we were watching the Pittsburgh game the other night, and they weren't even worrying about tackling him. They were going right for the football. So he has a reputation now as a fumbler. That's a big problem for a smaller back. And uh, so, they yes, they need running backs. They need offensive linemen. But, Josh, they need everything. Yeah, you're right. And Canes fans love that Mario Cristobal is out holiday shopping for them all the, throughout the month of December. And uh, nobody comes harder than Cristobal. Like, <laughs> you've, you've watched it for, you know, he's one of the elite recruiters in the country. Nobody is going to outwork him. Nobody is going to outthink him. Uh, and he will be big time in the fray, probably about 20 hours a day for the next three weeks. And that leads us into our final topic, which is a game. It's called Sticker Flip. This is phenomenal. Ooh. I'm going to I'm gonna throw you a name. I'm going to tell you who they're committed to. And some of these guys are committed to Miami. I want your opinion on whether these names are going to stick to the school that they're committed to or flip. All right. You ready, Gary? Let's get this thing going. All right. We're going to start off kind of easy. And then I'm going to and then it's going to get a little bit harder as we go on. So the first guy I'm going to talk to you about is four star Miami linebacker commitment Malik Bryant. Stick or flip? I'm going to shock some of your viewers here. I'm going to say flip on that one. Uh, I think that's the, the one guy that Florida is going to go all in on uh, because they can. And uh, I'm going to say flip. I'm going to say that he's going to overplay his hand with Miami and possibly end up a Florida Gator. All right, Gary. You know, Malik Bryant did come out That's and say he's 10,000% committed recently. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I could end up being wrong there, and maybe he sticks, but he's the one guy in the Miami class that I've got a circle around that's got the radar up a little bit. Okay, five-star Miami commitment, Francis Maugoa. Oh, stick all the way. Three-star Miami offensive tackle commit, Tommy Kinsler. Stick. All right, now we're going to get into the, some of the deeper water here. Four-star Florida commitment, DB Jakeem Jackson. Wow, this is a tough one uh, because the, the, all the indications are that he's going to stay with Florida. Uh, Miami is recruiting him. Uh, wow, man, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say stick, but it wouldn't shock me if it went the other way. Okay, four-star Florida wide receiver commitment, Andy Jean. Stick. Four-star Michigan defensive line commitment, Inal Etta. I'm going to say flip because uh, he and Collins Achimapong are very tight. Uh, we have a story actually on Kingsport.com about this where uh, Collins is working very hard to bring him to Miami with him. Miami has offered him. He has a spot at Miami if he wants it. Uh, there seems to be uh, – Michigan fans aren't going to like this, but there, there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect up at Michigan for some reason uh, with some of these recruits and the staff up there. I don't know why we don't cover Michigan on a daily basis, but when you look at how well they're performing on the field and where their recruiting class is, um, it's not lining up real well. And uh, Miami flipped Collins. 
they they offered him um, in in May, and uh, I just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say flip on this one. Okay, UNC defensive lineman commitment Joshua Horton. Flip. Okay, so now we got two flips in favor of Miami and one away from Miami. Let's keep it going. Four star LSU commitment wide receiver Jalen Brown. Stick. Five-star FSU wide receiver commitment, Hakeem Williams. Stick. Ooh, Florida State fans are a little sigh of relief right there. Five-star <laughs> Oregon commitment wide receiver, Jerry and Dickey. Wow, this is a tricky one. All right, I'm going to say flip, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm saying flip to Miami. I, I, I think that one could go in a lot of directions. I do think Miami will be in the mix uh, this month. Uh, it's going to be up to jury and he's, he, you know, he obviously can go wherever he wants. I, I know he's had good conversations with Miami in the past and, and it's been favorable. I can't, as we sit here today, Josh predict, uh, I'm not going to go to the recruiting prediction machine and jump in and say he's going to Miami, but I will say he will flip from Oregon. Okay. He's from California. So, you know, all bets are off. Kenny Dillingham, offensive coordinator, goes to Arizona State. So maybe teams can get in there. Let's keep it rolling. Five-star Ohio State wide receiver commitment, Brandon Innes. Wow. <laughs> this one, uh, I, don't, I don't know where to go on this one, Josh. I mean, I'll go Stick out on flip. the land. You can only go two directions. I'm going to say, if, if, I have to pick, if I have to pick one, I'm going to say flip. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Now this one might be the hardest. So I saved it for last five-star Miami cornerback commitment, Cormani McLean. I'm going to say stick. I, I think they're in a good place there. I think the, the, the battles there were fought before he committed and I think he'll stick with Miami. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, you know, that was just a trick question. I, I believe you there, Gary. That's All right. right. That was a lot of fun, Gary Furman. Thank you, you for making your debut on the Inside Scoop. We'll get we'll get you back on here soon. Anytime, Josh. Good good being with you. See you later. Good luck covering those canes, man. That's twenty four hour, seven day a week business between now and signing day. All right, let's transition this thing. We're gonna get Pete Nakos on. He works for On3 covering all things NIL. And Pete wrote a really fascinating article yesterday called NIL Fueled Quarterback Market. You guys should go check that out. It's up on On3. A Just a really insightful read on what is going on right now in college football with NIL going on. Um, pretty interesting quote here. Quote, paying for top talent is not a new trend in college football, yet the new era of name, image, and likeness rights has turned the market upside down. Pete, you wrote that in yesterday's article. Um, what was the response to that? A, a lot of truth coming through there. No deniers, I will say that. A lot of uh, thanks for telling it how it is, and uh, it's only going to get crazier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk. In the year 2022, can a college football program sign a top 15 quarterback without a promise of a six or seven figure NIL deal? Is that possible? It all depends on the situation surrounding the school's NIL and um, the, the prospects want to uh, seek an NIL package. Uh, I think right now there are a lot of uh, top 25 programs historically who are, who are playing the NIL game. Um, and there are a few who are not, and um, 
it, it's very much talked about in recruiting circles right now. Um, and, and prospects know what schools are and are not playing that game. Um, and I think we're seeing that in the recruiting rankings and, and where some of these quarterbacks are landing. Yeah, it's fascinating. When it comes to top quarterbacks, how far down does the money go? Like, we know the top guys are doing what you said. You've talked to collectives. But, like, is a top 50 quarterback getting paid that much? Is a top 70? How deep is it? So the really interesting thing right now is, like, I do – so, like, the top 10 are really being paid from the last two cycles from what we've seen. And there's a, a, a huge belief that it's going to continue to trickle down in the years to come. Um, we're not fully there yet. Um, but what will be interesting is obviously early national signing days coming up. Um, and if some of these programs need to go land a quarterback, uh, they may take out the checkbook and, and make sure that they go get that three or four star who uh, has surged up in, in the last six weeks and, and they believe is going to be a steal. Um, so the next three weeks are going to be fascinating. Pete, are most of these deals incentive-based when they arrive on campus, or are they receiving this money up front? Is it guaranteed? Tell me about it. Um, a lot of these recruits, um, so it is not incentive-based. It's all marketing activation. So they'd have to uh, do a social media post when they get to campus or show up at an event. Um, and then on top of that, some kids are getting paid before um, they sign that national letter of intent, but some – um, need to sign that national letter of intent before they see a dollar amount. Okay. So what does a school, what options does a school have if they go all in on a five-star quarterback paying a six or seven figure salary, they get him on campus, he works out in spring, then they check him out in fall and they're just like, this guy, he can't do it here. Is, are they on the hook? Is it a one-year deal? What, what recourse does a school have if they find out that this investment just isn't it? I don't think that we truly know the question because it hasn't completely played out yet. Um, but speak, speaking in hypotheticals, um, part of what a quarterback brings to the table when he commits to a school is a very good class. If you look at a track record, like Bryce Young brought a very good class to Alabama. Um, DJU with uh, Clemson. Like, Not saying those, those athletes took cash at all, but when you land a top five quarterback, you get a good class that comes with it. So that's an interesting thing to take into account. Um, now, how it works if they're a bust when they get to campus, I, I don't really know if that has truly panned out. Um, obviously, though, like these contracts were probably um, broken, uh, but but nobody's actually going to want to hold that athlete accountable because then it gets out there that there was a contract. Right. So I just want to wrap it up and ask you, these NIL deals that we're seeing right now, the market is upside down. Is this sustainable for these top programs? And I'm talking the top programs. Like, is this sustainable? I think it depends what we want to call sustainable. Do I think that the dollars will continue to pour in for the next like three to five years? Yes. I do think that there will be a reckoning period at some point if you're spending this much money and the product is not there on the field. Um, I think we're starting to see that at a few places, but I think that that case study needs to, to be given at least two more years before uh, big money donors actually pull out. All right, Pete, between now and the early signing day, there's going to be plenty of NIL deals getting done. So thanks for joining us and making your debut on the Inside Scoop. We'll have you back soon.
Appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. Yep. Thank you, Pete. Up next on the Inside Scoop, we got national recruiting analyst Sam Spiegelman, and we are kicking it off in the only appropriate place, and that is with the commitment of DJ Lagway because we are exactly one week away. The number two quarterback in the 2024 class will be announcing his decision on December 7th, and we've been talking about him throughout the entire fall season, but it looks like it's down to two teams based on your latest insider report, Sam. Yeah, uh, all the visits. We've talked about a lot of visits this fall. I think he's, he's racked up more mileage than, than we could hope to accumulate in, in several years. But um, the extensive travel, all these game day visits, these sit-downs sit with the coaches, getting ideas of where DJ Lagway, the number seven player next year's on 300, will fit in the offensive blueprint. And maybe his last visit might have uh, swayed some momentum because it's shaping up to be USC, which, which just hosted Lagway. Um, for the critical game against Notre Dame, might have seen Caleb Williams' Heisman moment. Um, and really, Lincoln Riley has been recruiting him among the hardest among head coaches since before September 1st. Um, it looks like they're going toe-to-toe with, with Florida, which we know has gotten him on campus twice. They've shown an extraordinary amount of love from the coaches down to the fans there, the sorority and fraternity houses with, with signage for DJ Lagway and his family. That has not gone unnoticed, neither is Billy Napier's push. And it seems to be Florida versus USC. I believe that Lagway has a decision made. At least people close to him believe that he's moving in that direction. Where he's heading, we'll find out in a few days. Yeah, and you you think USC made up a ton of ground on that visit. What was it about the trip? Was it Caleb Williams? Was it Lincoln Riley? How did USC seemingly, you know, kind of bump Clemson out of that number two spot? Because we all thought, you know, UF kind of has the lead here. But now it's a much closer race than people anticipated. Certainly. Um, throughout the fall, we have heard Florida and Clemson, um, USC never out of it, but but certainly maybe a third in that pecking order, mm-hmm. along with Texas A&M, which, which also got him on campus last month, and Baylor, which you know his father played at Baylor. Um, so they're, they're still in it. Don't get me wrong. And, and DJ could, could shock us all. But it's, it's still recruiting. It's happened um, before. But it's happened before. Um, you have to talk about the relationship with Lincoln Riley. Like I mentioned, that that relationship has spanned um, among the, the best relationships he has with a head coach, along with Dabo Sweeney. Um, getting him on campus, seeing Caleb Williams, finding, you know, we talked about the development of Jalen Hurts and then to see Caleb Williams have a Heisman moment in a big game and then hear about Lincoln Riley saying, you could be next, you can compete when you get here. You know, you might not be the immediate starter, but, but we want you to compete for a job early. And this is what the offense will look like with you leading the way, which which really opened the eyes of, of not only DJ, but his family. Um, like Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley is a faith-driven coach. Um, the Lagways are, are, are like-minded in that way, and I think that really moved the needle with his family. Um, and then from that perspective, you know, Florida has given them a lot to think about, and, and certainly the relationships loom large. But USC has momentum, and, and DJ is, you know, is, is – you know, he's, he's keen on, on observations, and USC has a lot of momentum in college football right now after that Notre Dame game. I think the public sentiment was that Lincoln Riley has the Trojans back where they, they were under Pete Carroll. Um, so for two programs trying to get back to where they, they were, um, you know, I think USC might have an edge there. Mm. Is this a more important recruitment for Florida or USC? Uh, you can make an argument for, for either one because we're, we're at a unique spot. You know, it's, it's December. We're getting ready for the early signing period for the 2023 class. 
yet a good number of these 2024 quarterbacks, especially at the top, are already yeah. off the board. Dylan Rayola got that started, and then Julian Sand and Colin Hurley followed suit at, at major SEC programs. Now, there's still a lot of quarterbacks out there, including DJ, who's the number one uncommitted quarterback in the country in his class. Um, you know, guys like Walker White and, and, and others, of course. Um, but the fact that these dominoes are falling, you know, if you're Florida, you're trying to keep pace with those other SEC teams. And, you know, with Julian Sand, who's the number one quarterback out west, already off the board going to Alabama, you know, Lincoln Riley is trying to get his guy, and, and that's Lagway. Yeah, the dominoes are falling fast. Uh, let's transition here back to the 2023 class. Five-star Notre Dame commitment. Peyton Bowen, we talk about him a lot. Uh, he's publicly said that he's going to make a, quote, final decision. Any idea when that final decision could come and who do you think he's considering when when doing that? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is that Peyton Bowen, um, who you just mentioned, we talk about a lot because not only is his recruitment in the news, but he just returned another punt for a touchdown in the in the in the state playoffs. And they're just a couple games closer from returning to AT&T Stadium, which is completely absurd. Uh, teams keep punting to this five star safety um, and he keeps doing what he does with it on the back end. But um you know, he did not show up to Texas A&M for the LSU game, which was expected. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems to be his recruitment is kind of on hold. But in a way, I think it's also down to just two teams. Um, he's not going to take any more visits until this playoff run is over. That's for sure. Um, you know, obviously, the, the family is getting ready for, for in-home visits with a lot of staffs. So I, I would expect Notre Dame to be there. And I would expect Oklahoma to be there. Sure, there might be some other staffs. Um, but I think those are the Oregon, uh, you know, and, and I don't think Texas A&M is going to go away because they need a safety to round mm -hmm. out this 2023 class. Um, Oregon, um, Michigan would not surprise me as well. Um, but I think it, it's coming down to, to Oklahoma versus Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is in a really good spot with with getting him on campus earlier this fall. And, and Oklahoma also has gotten him on campus. We know that Jackson Arnold is his teammate, his close friend who he grew up with. Um, Oklahoma is, is closer to Denton, Texas than, than South Bend is. Um, but Notre Dame is still in a good spot. I think those are the two teams to watch with right now visits and much of his recruitment kind of on hold and just left to him kind of mull over these final options. Sam, are you starting to lean to the idea that Peyton Bowen might stick to Notre Dame? I'm getting that sense from you a little bit. Uh, I, I, I think that we have to acknowledge the percentage points here. Um, I, I don't think that Texas A&M is as much of a contender as maybe they were at the beginning of the fall. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've seen some of their decommitments and some prospects moving in other directions with that. And I think A&M is still going to recruit well, but I think they've kind of fallen out of it uh, to a degree with Bowen. Um, Oklahoma has continued to host him and, and he, Notre Dame getting him on campus always looms big. Um, that was a great environment around a lot of kids that are committed to Notre Dame. And, the, you know, you start talking about the future. These are guys that you're in your text threads with. Um, so I think that visit really loomed large for the Irish and as well as these in-home visits coming up. Like 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 we've said time, time and time again, Josh, um, Marcus Freeman was the, the key recruiter for Peyton Bowen before he became the head coach. So now that he's the head coach, that's a really good spot to be in if you're the Irish. Um, Brent Venables isn't going anywhere. Jay Valai is not going anywhere in Oklahoma. I think they're going to be it until the end, and we'll see whether Oklahoma can gain a little bit more momentum at the right time with Bowen. All right. Another big name that we're watching here during flip season is the number one overall defensive lineman in America, David Hicks. He's committed to the Aggies. So while the Aggies are on the offensive trying to flip Bowen, they're on the defensive trying to hold on to David Hicks. 
Uh, what's going on with Hicks, and what do you think the Aggies' chances are of holding on to him? You know, the five-star defensive lineman was just back at Texas A&M. We know that he ventured out to Oregon, and he ventured out to Oklahoma for an official visit for Bedlam. And I think still Oregon and Oklahoma are going to be in it. We're not sure whether DJ is going to return to, to some of these schools over the next couple of weeks, but that's definitely a storyline to follow. Um, but getting him back on campus, if you're a and that was, that was A&M's signature win on the season, beating LSU. Um, Hicks was back on campus with his Katie Paytow teammate, Damian Sanford, um, another on 300 defender who's a key part of this A&M in-state class. Um, Oregon is a team to watch. Oklahoma has at some points led for DJ Hicks. But I think there's a lot of confidence now after this visit about DJ staying in this class. I think that they have some more confidence about holding on to not only him, but his teammate. Um, and I think, you know, DJ not only was on campus, he brought, he brought his entire family, which is something that, you know, it just looms a little bit larger when you have mom, dad, grandma, grandpa all on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like we talked about with DJ Lagway for a big game environment and, and everyone is kind of in your corner. So I think A&M is in a good spot, but they're going to have to fight till the end. Yeah, smart getting grandma on campus. Always, always. All right, Sam. Well, as long as you don't flip on us, which I'm sure you won't, we'll have you back on the inside scoop on Monday. I'm I'm 110% committed, Josh. I appreciate that, Sam. See you later. Thank you for watching. Make sure you smash that subscribe button for me. And remember to check out all the videos on the On3 YouTube page.